one of my goals, I know you always talk about what does it look like to build better people. Part of the motivation for me on building better people in my own life is I want to be the best version of myself at 39 so that when I'm 79, I'll look back and be grateful for the ways that I was faithful to honoring God's gift that he's given me in my body with the way that I'm living right now. Hey everybody, it's Coach Charlie. Welcome or welcome back to the Building Better People podcast brought to you by BoomFit. Thanks for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following interview inspires you to take the next step in your fitness journey. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Philip Bethencourt, 39 years old. I'm married to Cammie. We've been married 16 years, and we are the parents of four boys. We've been living in exile outside of Texas from 2006 (laughs) until 2020. And we just moved back here to Aggieland back in March of 2020 and brought the COVID with us. And most importantly, you're the proudest member of, of the, the Fighting Fight Texas <laughs> Aggie class of 2004. Woo! Man, so Along cool. with you, Charlie. I know, man. It goes, we go way back. I would have never known 20 Yeah, we go back later. so far, I can still remember seeing you with frosted tips in your hair. Uh, and, and you were still shredded even back in th- the day. Those were... Uh, memories that i'm glad facebook doesn't remind me of <laughs> exactly um yeah so give me a little bit more of what brought you to town so you obviously are a m graduate you guys love college station what brought you here yeah so we've been gone for nearly 15 years uh when i was at a and I sensed a call to christian ministry and so i went off to train at seminary did a master's and phd was working in a number of christian nonprofit settings and then god just opened up an opportunity to come home And we got the chance to move back for me to be the lead pastor at Central, one of the churches here in town. It's where Cammie and I met. It's where we married. It's uh, the place that's really a spiritual home for us. And so it feels like it's come a full circle. It's only that when we came back, we showed up right when COVID was kicking off. In, In our church world, you've got to vote in order to bring your new pastor in. And the Sunday that was supposed to happen was the first Sunday everything was shut down. And so it ended up we had to wait for a month, figure out a plan. And so the, the day, imagine this, Charlie, you've got to preach to everybody and then they vote on you on whether they want you as your new pastor or not. That sounds pretty high stakes, right? Yeah. Well, add to that, I'm preaching to an empty worship center. There's not anybody in there. It's just me looking at a camera and then American Idol style, people are getting on their phones and voting online or doing a drive-through vote where they drop off their ballot. And I'm thinking to myself, this isn't how Martin Luther did it back in the day (laughs) when he was leading churches. So it just made for a really interesting start, uh, but it's been a fantastic time being back here in the area. Yeah, man, what a way to come in, you know, and I remember that, you know, you, uh, you needed a kettlebell. Yes, know, that's right. Which I can appreciate. You know, that was one of the things you needed when you came here. That means you work out, right? right. That you were already searching for <laughs> desperate equipment. Desperate times, desperate measures. Um, but yeah, no, what a, what a, not only that, but to bring your kids, your family into that uncertainty in that moment, you know, but, you know, all, all good things, right? You, you did get in or they voted we're here. you in. Oh, yeah. And settling in great. That's one of the real joys of being back is. Uh, you, you see this in every aspect of life. When you get the opportunity to walk with people through challenging moments, it builds unity. It bonds you together. When you have a common mm. mission, it fosters that type of unity. That's one of the things I love about working out in group settings is that common mission often can foster a connection that wouldn't happen. And so in this case, 
with taking the step into this when it's one of the most challenging moments in the life of any church to navigate a pandemic like this mm. has really created some of those opportunities for it's us. It's awesome, man. So let's, okay, let's go back in time. 20 years, right? Yeah, when you uh, had the frosted tips. When I had the yeah, frosted tips, I should have done something <laughs> even uh, just to make you feel like we were then. The rec center. Yep. You know, I, I mean, you went to the rec center. You worked out. Right. I was um, a regular there. I'd come out of high school with a football, baseball guy, and uh, that was just a real natural part of my life uh, coming through college. And then we got married in college. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of your listeners that can relate when marriage shows up and the food you're eating tastes a lot better than the hot pockets you were making <laughs> back in the dorm room. It makes things a little bit more challenging from a physical health standpoint. Yeah, and you were—I mean, you were a thin college student, right? Sure. Do you remember what you weighed, like your freshman uh, sophomore probably year? Probably in the one seventy-five, one eighty range. Okay, and what do you weigh now? I'm right about one ninety-five. Yeah, and so in college, you got married. Did you gain weight? Did something happen after that? Kind of man, you're gonna make me relive all my. Uh, <laughs> health memories in front of a unknown national audience. Yeah, I mean, what happened was I stayed pretty consistent when it came to exercise and taking care of my body until kids came along. So our first son was born back in 2009. And in the span of just about five years, we have four boys. And I was working on a dissertation in school. I was working full time. We're raising uh, all these kids and so just trying to be a faithful father and a good husband, you make sacrifices somewhere. Well, this was a place I chose to sacrifice. And, and on the one hand, I think it did create more time, but it probably created an inferior version of myself. And so uh, the moment that was a turning point for me on what put me back on a track towards pursuing physical health is our youngest son was born uh, back in 2015. He was born in April. And then for Father's Day that year in June, my boys and my wife walk in and they hand me this envelope. I open it up and it's this little note. It's a handwritten note that says, this note is good for six free sessions with a personal trainer. Oh, man. <laughs> so that was my sweet, loving wife's very kind and indirect way to say it's time. Wow. And what's funny is I received that well because I knew the spirit in which uh, what was behind it. And then from that point on, it just flipped a switch. I mean, what, in that, I guess that little window of time of having kids and, and the busyness of life. So you, did you not do anything or did you play well, any real sports? or yeah. inconsistent. I mean, I, I'd get a, a treadmill in the house and then that would collect dirty yeah. clothes and then an elliptical machine. Or I remember even back when a couple of the kids were born, I took up running for a while and I decided I was going to run a half marathon. And then... About six weeks before the marathon was going to happen, half marathon was going to happen, I realized I had to travel that weekend. It wasn't going to work. So some people say, oh, that's awesome. I'm not going to do it. I just said, you know what? Let's just knock it out this weekend. So I made my own course, ran the 13.1, pushing two kids in a double stroller the whole way. I would have those little moments of motivation, but nothing that sustained me. Yeah. So the six training sessions, how did that go? Well, I remember showing up to that first one. And uh, I've got really poor flexibility. In, uh, and so he's kind of testing some of those things out, just basic capabilities. But at that gym, there was a 40-yard AstroTurf field, and he got me out there having me do some bear crawls and stuff, and I could make it like 10 yards. And then I'm like, I'm oh. like personally humiliated 
by the fact that how could it be that I've let myself get to this point? And it was because I was prioritizing other things to that exclusion, that, that uh, physical health was a luxury, that spiritual health was a priority, rather than seeing things in the way I do now of the holistic integration of those things, that you can't divorce one from the other, that they all feed together. Okay, I, I love that you just said that, and I would love for you to expand on that, right? Whereas before you felt one was more important than the other, and now they're integrated. Yeah, and I, I know maybe not all your listeners come from a faith perspective, but one of the rationales I used to justify my uh, disengagement when it came to physical health is I could point to the Bible for it. There's a, a, a verse in the Bible, 1 Timothy 4, 8, mm-hmm. that says physical training is of some value, but godliness has value in all things, both in this life and the life to come. And so the way I reinterpreted that in my mind is, well, spiritual training, godliness, that's much more valuable. Therefore, the physical health is of no value. Whereas Paul is saying it's of some value. There is actual value to it. I was diminishing the value he was trying to do, uh, to to give it, and instead simply seeing that, like I mentioned, as a, a luxury to be added on to everything rather than an important part of integrating it into how I thrive in every aspect of my life. Man, you just made that verse. I mean, for me, um, I've read that verse before. Sure. And wrestled with it, yeah, you know, right. because I mean, I hold physical fitness and health in a very high regard, as mm-hmm. I do spiritual, you know, uh, my, uh, health and fitness, right? If we call it those things. Um, but I love how you just said it. I think that's really good. Um, so you do the six personal training sessions, you're bear crawling on the AstroTurf, uh, oh, yeah. feeling a little bit embarrassed probably of yeah. your physical state. You're in your what mid thirties, almost maybe right, almost right, 30, yep. 34, 35. Uh, what happened after that? So I, it stuck. I, what I found is the two missing ingredients for me. As I look back is when it came to my pursuit of physical health, most of the time I was a lone ranger. I was doing it on my own based on my motivation, my timeline, my goals, my effort. The two things that helped to turn it around starting with that was to combine community and accountability. That's what that did for me. So I started working out one-on-one with him for a season. And so he became my community when it came to physical work. There was a built-in accountability that was there. But soon thereafter, one of the things that happened is I was able to pull in two or three other guys that I worked with, that I went to church with, that I was close with. Let's do that together. And what that Mm. meant is... I knew there was a sense of ownership that I had to take for my engagement, my effort, all those dimensions, because there were others that were there, and their presence motivated my, my, the intensity of my engagement. So is that the gym you worked out at up until moving here? Yeah, up in, up in Nashville. I, was, I spent five years with those guys. Still miss yeah. it. There is one thing I don't miss, though. The, the tradition there, maybe you should think about it here at BoomFit, is... On your birthday, which mine was not long ago, you have to, at the end of the workout, do a burpee pull-up for every year. Oh, they life. had a pull-up to yeah, it. Wow. So I, I just turned 39. That would have been 39 burpee pull-ups. Oh. I texted now, those guys. The whole class or the whole group? No, just, just, just the, the birthday. birthday boy. I yeah, like whoever's it. Whoever's birthday it is. So maybe you should think yeah. about putting that into practice. So you, okay, so how long did you work one-on-one with the trainer before transitioning? I, the- I bet it was just short of nine months, somewhere in there. Just long enough, what it did, 
I mean, I saw a transformation in my body by about two months into that. What happened was uh, in the span of that first two to four months, I probably dropped 10 to 12 pounds, started rebuilding uh, into more muscle mass and less uh, getting rid of the stuff that I wanted to get rid of. And when I could start noticing the transformation in both appearance and performance, then that fueled further engagement. And what what was able to happen during that season, and this is part of what I've enjoyed about CrossFit with you, is uh, the coaching dimension helped me to be better at the fundamentals, both so I could protect myself from injury and so I could be more successful in achieving the types of goals I was pursuing in the workouts that we were having. Yeah. And so the, you know, we have private training right. and we have group training, CrossFit. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I love that you transitioned because I think sometimes um, people feel like, you know, maybe the group's not for them, right? So they start one-on-one. And, and then other times people are like, well, they're, the group is all I want. But you saw value in both. And it sounds like you did the one-on-one and then you almost took a step up into group, and now the group gave you a new value of community that right. became beyond just your coach, right? Well, that's true, and what it, if I had jumped into a group right out of the gate, what would have happened is I would have gotten lost. I wouldn't have been confident in the skills. I wouldn't have felt the connection or the personal investment. I needed to rebuild a good foundation to where now when I moved here, I wasn't even thinking about personal training options, uh, group scenarios were ideal because I had a lot more confidence in my performance capabilities and I knew the value of the community dimension. And I, I had never done anything CrossFit related at all before we came here. And so uh, that has been the big adjustment for me is just relearning a, a new set of approaches, uh, technique, and things along the way, which yeah. I've really enjoyed. And I, where I want to definitely talk about that because, uh, you know, the fact that you had never done CrossFit, started doing it when you guys moved here, uh, I think we'll, we'll pull a lot of interesting things out of that. But in that time that you worked out with your, was it friends or was it a class? Yeah, it was friends, was it, uh-huh. Okay, so how many people were in the group? Uh, it grew to be three of us at a time with the trainer. Okay, and I mean, you guys were pretty much, you know, five years, four years working out yep. together. So I'm sure some pretty strong bonds were formed. Big time. Um, how different were those workouts than from what you do today? Uh, they were very similar in intensity, but different in technique. So it was a lot of um, free weights like we do now, but it was primarily kettlebell, dumbbell, um, very few Olympic lifts, mm-hmm. a lot of compound movements, Uh, like what we do now. So the big adjustment is we did hardly any barbell stuff other than bench press there. And now uh, like that's, that's the bread and butter. (laughs) And I'm I'm like, man, can we get some kettlebells out instead? (laughs) I I feel much more at home. Anytime we got kettlebells on the menu, I'm like, all right, this, I feel right at home with this. And then you said in the nine months personal training, you lost 10 or in the first couple months, you lost like 10 or 15 pounds. So, and cumulatively from my peak to now, it's probably about 25 pounds. That I've sustained over that five years. So how heavy did you get? I was up to 220. Wow. Yeah. I, that shocked me too. And uh, I'm sure that's uh, that's why the boys and my wife brought in, yeah. <laughs> brought in that that free gift for me. Do you remember feeling that, like that weight? Like, you know, like trying well, to... Tr- 
Yes and no. I mean, day to day, no. But looking back, I mean, there would be times where it's time to play with the kids where I'd engage with them and then I'd run out of steam. I just, I'd, I'd justify it as, well, we did it, I lost interest. But I think some of it was uh, a lethargic dimension of who I was just affecting other aspects. I don't feel as if I had, there was no indication that it was manifesting itself in other health issues at that point. I didn't feel a real shift in my energy like a lot of people tend to do. So I think I was functioning fine. But, you know, the the parallel I think of, I, I've spent my whole life uh, dealing with allergies. That's been a perennial problem for me. And so I do some, some things to medicate it. But part of being somebody with allergies is you learn to adapt to living a version of yourself that's less than what it could be. Uh, and less than probably what others experience. And I think that's what happened to me and probably what can be tempting for a lot of people is you learn to settle for what you're experiencing and you justify that over a period of time and you don't even realize what all you're missing out on as a result of it. Yeah, I, I, no, I and I think it kind of goes to our building better people, right? Which is right. becoming a better version of yourself. And I, I often say that you could take the the person who you would say is the highest achiever on the planet. But if they're not exercising, there's actually a better version right. of them that is possible. Yes. And so, you know, and, and I think one thing to highlight, because you've said this in this short time we've been talking, but here's a guy who was 170, 175 pounds in college. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty average, right. you know, healthy, active um, probably didn't eat perfect. You mentioned some no. hot pockets here and there, but you just, you were that guy, right? Gradually over the next 10 years post college, right? You had four kids. You, of course you guys got married. 50 pounds just showed up, yeah, man. That's right. When you put it like that. Yes. It's cr- I mean, again, right. that's, that's the, you know, I call it the gravitational pull, right? The mm-hmm. current of life, you know, that literally you end up on the other side of the ocean wondering how did I put 50 pounds on, you know? Right. And you, you've, you know, the fact that you've kind of gone, kind of started implementing habits, I think it's so cool. So, um, you guys worked out, you moved to college station, you got a 53-pound kettlebell. Yes, I did. And what did you do during that period of time? Well, so when we got here, everybody, everything was shut down. We're living with our family at the time. We didn't have our own place because everything was in a holding pattern. And I knew, you know, I've been coming off of working out several times a week with my buddies up in Nashville. I knew if I didn't want to establish new routines in a new place that didn't include physical exercise because if I did... I may fall out of that habit and never get it back again. So, you know, I had I had your kettlebell. I took one of my backpacks and filled it up with a bunch of like uh, canned goods to give me like a 15 to 20 pound weight that I could do some different things with and uh, just tried to several times a week work that into things. And I'll tell you, looking back over that shutdown period, that was probably one of the healthier seasons even in this five years because part of my challenge has been... I, I'm consistent in working out. I'm less consistent in making healthy choices when it comes to eating. My old job, I used to travel a ton as a pastor. I'm constantly meeting with people for meals and things like that. It's just easy to not make good food choices. Well, when you're shut down and nobody's going out, you know, 
I'm just eating at home and it's like the pounds are just falling off. I, I dropped all the way to below 190 at oh, one wow. point uh, during that time. Yeah, it was a really healthy period, but I knew as things bounced back, as soon as you were ready to open the gym back up, I was ready to step into things because I wanted to reconnect and have that community and accountability. Yeah. And, and I remember when you and your boys came and looked at the gym, yep. you know, and uh, so so let's now kind of talk through the last six, I guess, six, seven months or eight months since you started CrossFit. Um, one, what was it like coming in for the first time, like that first class? Well, I I think uh, anybody, when you're stepping in a new space, is going to have some uncertainty about things. But having talked to you uh, beforehand, I had a sense for the types of workouts. I've been around pl- plenty of friends that have done it. Uh, I've seen some of the competitions on television before. So it wasn't foreign. And for me, the way I'm wired is I'm not a very self-conscious person. If If I know I'm the rookie here and I make rookie mistakes, then that's great. I remember that first class, uh, Kyle was working us out. And he, he went through the exercises, and then he, I guess you got that downtime for everybody to get the right weight and get set, and then we start. So there was a lull, and he said, okay, uh, you know, get everything set up. Well, I had all my stuff set, so I just started doing my first set of whatever the exercise was. And I noticed nobody else around was doing it. I'm like, this is great. They're going <laughs> to totally catch up to me, but I'm going to get a head start here you got head and start. get out in front of everybody. And I finished that first set, and I come up to catch my breath, and he's like, man, I guess you're just really motivated. You wanted to get an extra set in before we officially start. And I'm like, wait, that doesn't count. (laughs) So I figure, okay, if that's where I started, there's nowhere to go but up in terms of adjusting to life at the CrossFit gym. What have been some of the uh, things that you've done that – you know, or were brand new, like you said, the barbell, but what other things have you done that you'd never done before? Yeah. So a lot of the Olympic lifts, uh, the cleans, the snatches, uh, the, the technique for pull up, it was totally foreign to me. Um, those are the main things that come to mind. A, lo- a lot of the other compound movements we did, we would do similar things up there, but it's just a lot of barbell adjustment. And for me, with my challenges, with my own flexibility, that's been something I've really had to work on technique, making sure I'm protecting my body while doing that. Have you seen improvement in your fitness? Yeah, I think so. One of the upsides has been in my old gym, I was consistently topping out at twice a week. The goal here is three times a week. So I'm just getting a little bit more each week and stacking yeah. it together. And that's been really good. And the, the quality of coaching has been great. You know, I've been thinking about this. A CrossFit coach is in one sense has similar responsibilities and opportunities like a pastor does. So for me as a pastor, I get time with my people two to four hours a week. Like they're there, they're engaged, they're learning. I can pour into them and invest. And what I'm trying to do is um, inspire and equip them to live the rest of the week in a way that reflects the best version of who they're called to be in Jesus during that time. But it's hands off the rest of the time. And I only get two to four hours, then they've got to go and make choices with how this way that they spend the rest of their life. And I imagine that's a very similar thing for y'all as you're leading people in their fitness journey. You get that concentrated time, whether it's two times a week, six times a week, 
for that, but then they've got to go make their own choices on, is that going to be a detour from an unhealthy lifestyle or one of the things that propels them to be more healthy in Absolutely. every aspect of their life? And I tell people, the more often you work out, the better you're going to eat by default. You know, people will ask what's more important, eating healthy or exercise to lose weight. And, you know, is it 80-20? Is it 50-50? And I say, you know, it's 100% both. Yeah, <laughs> You know, right. because... Eating or working out makes you conscious of what you're going to do the rest of the day. And like you said, I mean, as a pastor, it's once a week, right? For us, we get to see you more often, which is so cool, right? Because hopefully our goal is that the more times you come, the more impact we're making. That's now, right. I love the illustration. I think you're absolutely right. And I've, I've kind of, as a, even as a personal trainer or leading groups, you, you, you know, you're, it's amazing the influence that you have in people's lives, you know, um, they, they really look up to you. Um, you have people that they are way beyond your intellect or your, you know, income or, but they look up to you because sure. you're helping them in an area that they need help. Well, and probably another benefit of working out in the group setting is it fosters humility. It's a place I can count on coming two to three times every week and knowing when I walk in there, I am not the best person in the room at what's happening. Yeah. And it's it's like uh, in my old gym, in that group of three guys we worked out in, one of them is an Aggie, a former Yale leader who was training for the military at the time. And when we'd get around to Memorial Day, even though we didn't do CrossFit, we would still do a Murph. And I'm not making this up. He did his Murph with a 20-pound vest in 27 minutes Wow! Uh, the first year that we did it together. And so I'm sitting there trying to hit like 48, 52, something like that, and watching him, and I'm like, my goodness. And so there's this sense of, in a world like ours where everybody wants reinforcement and affirmation, I think there's something healthy to consistently putting yourself in a spot where you're comfortable with not being the best person in the room and having that humility reinforced. Yeah, no, it's, it's great that you mentioned that. What You said about eating being a struggle for you. So what does your diet look like now? You know, where are the struggles? Um, and have you made some positive changes? So what I've found is my, the best changes I've made in the last five years have been just being more conscious when it comes to portion control. I, you would, if I were to go into detail about my dietary decisions, they would not meet Charlie Luna's <laughs> standards. I can promise you that. But for example, when I go to Copy Bridge to have a burger, instead of getting the half pound burger, I get the third pound burger. That's yeah. cumulatively over time. That's going to add up in a positive direction, right? And I think some of it's come to uh, just being willing to try new things, but also. Uh, to be conscientious in the many times I'm sitting down with people for meals, um, just being responsible in what I choose to have, and then making good choices, knowing what's coming up. Like today I knew I had a breakfast with the guy and a lunch with several people. That means I'm going to eat very light tonight because I don't need those additional calories and thinking more holistically than just what's going to taste good in this moment. Yeah, no, and, and I think you're looking at the big picture, you know, as opposed to doing whatever you want, whenever you want. Um, you got four boys. I do. I mean, yes, they're already going hard and fast, but it's only going to get harder and faster. So do they uh, currently at this time see what you're doing in your exercise and your fitness? And have you noticed that you can keep up with them better? Or are you trying to keep up with them better? How, how do you perceive fitness and 
having four boys. Well, they've they've been a great benefit in that regard because they're all naturally athletic. They're interested in different things. Some want to be runners. Some want to do uh, basketball, football, baseball, you name it. But there's always competition going on in their house, and they always like to try to beat dad. So there's never a shortage of chances to be physically engaged with them. And they know uh, when I come back from the gym from my 6 a.m. class and they're getting ready to head off to school, they're regularly asking me, uh, what'd y'all do today? And then they'll hear me talk about people that are in the class and I'll tell them, oh yeah, she trashed me again. She totally (laughs) smoked me. She's way better than me. Or he, he outlifted me again. Or I finally did something better than them that time. And there's this interest that I'm trying to foster, I mean, what, to zoom out and just as a parent, one of the best gifts you can give your children is to help them to normalize and understand the healthy behaviors you want to see them embody when they're adults. And so I don't want to keep this dimension of my life segmented off as if it's unimportant to them. Even if they're not participating, they're learning how to think about physical fitness just even unconsciously by watching the way their dad does it. Mm, I like that a lot. Um, how, how, if, if at all in your role as a pastor and we'll call it as a spiritual leader and guide, um, and I've had, you know, uh, Brian Fisher on the podcast and Will Lewis and, you know, other people that are similar in, in the role that you play. How do you think this ties into your leadership and influence as a pastor, right? The, the being healthy, modeling health and fitness. So one of the main benefits I found once I picked this up five years ago is the uh, tremendous effect it had on my emotional and spiritual vitality, especially when it came to uh, navigating stress in my life. Uh, Pastoral leadership by nature, spiritual leadership is inherently a high pressure, high stress environment. There's constantly people evaluating what you're doing. You're you're having to help people walk through some of their darkest moments and that can weigh on you. There's always difficult decisions to be made. And then you compound that with the fact that you're doing it all in a pandemic and there's no easy answers to anything else. And what I, what I have found, I can even think of earlier this week where some hard decisions we had to process. And as I was driving home, one of the things that clicked with me is, man, I sure am glad I'm going to work out tomorrow because that's going to help me reset. Another thing that's been a huge benefit from it is that um, I have tons of pastor friends around the country who will tell me from their own experience or from those that they know that Mondays can be really difficult for pastors. You pour yourself out on a Sunday, you invest in your people, you feel drained, sometimes discouraged after that, and a lot of them can have a difficult time rebounding on Monday to reset for the week ahead. Well, in, in the limited time that I've been serving here, that hasn't been an issue for me. One of the main reasons I think that's the case is because I'm right here at 6 a.m. every Monday and there's a mental reset. Like that's the point at which the clock starts over. You move past what you just poured yourself out on this week and you do that reset and there's a value to that rhythm in terms of this sustainability of my uh, my life from a holistic perspective. I love it. You know, and that kind of uh, segues into typically how I close out the podcast. But I'll ask one more question because I think you've touched on how it's made you a better father, right, with your boys, a better pastor. But why don't you, for our final question, how does working out, take care of your health, make you a better husband? So I remember uh, about two or three years ago, 
I had some friends challenge me to run a marathon with them. I was living in Nashville. There was a Huntsville marathon in December. Two of them were going to do it. And they, I, in a moment of weakness, I said, yes, I'm not a runner other than that one half marathon I had done years before. So I started going through the whole regimen, the whole training, the whole preparation. We show up down there. It's like gorgeous, just like it is right now outside. 50, 60 degrees, perfect running weather. And then overnight, right before the race, a huge cold front comes through. On race day, it's 28 degrees. Oh. Massive wind chill. Oh. And, you know, I'm not a runner, so I don't have all the gear. I've just got, like, my old, uh, you know, wind pants and a, a hoodie <laughs> on and at the start of the race, and everybody else is in there, all their fancy stuff. And I remember starting that race. And what I remember is I got to about mile marker 14, and I'm still feeling pretty good, but I stopped at one of the um, places to get a drink, and it was warming up enough that I was going to shed my top layer. And as I'm taking that off, one of the volunteers comes up and she says, are you running the race? And I said, yeah. And the thought that dawned on me is I don't look like somebody (laughs) that's running the race. My appearance, my physique, my, my attire, none of these things match up. But yes, I'm running. So I, I got back going again. Well, I hit the wall at mile eight, 18. And in Huntsville, it's pretty cool. You run through the, um, the Space Science Center there, like all these old rockets they've used are all around you. And I remember hitting the wall. There's a park bench right next to this place where we're running. And I just go and I sit down in the middle of the race. And it's like this oh, wow. decision point in the race of, am I done? Have I spent all this time training for this? Or am I going to keep going? And just wrestling with that decision. And I, I just rebounded there. I said, no, I'm, I didn't come this far not to finish this off. And that was a turning point for me in that race. And it's one of those things, whenever I'm going through challenges, when it comes to physical fitness, I can always pull from to say, if I can recover from that and press on, then I can press through this as well. But that's not just true when it comes to physical training. That's also true when it comes to marriage. Look, every marriage goes through highs and lows, through those good seasons and bad. What I've noticed in myself and in others is that people can start to take their marriage for granted. They assume because it's good now, it will always stay good, and they don't work at it in the same way they invest in other things. A lot of times for men, our marriages get our leadership leftovers. We give all the best stuff, and then we give the cold, reheated version of ourselves in our home life. But what I've found is that uh, my pers- my journey towards physical health has helped to reinforce that those same realities need to be true in my whole life as well. And what one of my goals, I know you always talk about what does it look like to build better people. Part of the motivation for me on building better people in my own life is I want to be the best version of myself at 39 so that when I'm 79, I'll look back and be grateful for the ways that I was faithful to honoring God's gift that he's given me in my body with the way that I'm living right now. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Bryan College Station, we would love for you to come to our gym and start with one of our programs. If you're interested in more information about our services or a free trial, visit us at boomfitbcs.com. That's boomfitbcs.com.